You're listening to The Self-Worth Circle, hosted by Julie Haxel and Eva Eslander. We are here to remind you to raise your self-worth and wear your invisible crown. It's time. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Self-Worth Circle. This week, I'm doing a solo episode. So without Eva... It's yours truly, Julia, from The Zirkle. And I felt really called to sit down and talk today because um, I'm recording this on a Wednesday, so it's midweek, and I've been talking to many friends of mine. Everyone is feeling super low on energy, super exhausted. And, uh, well... Wherever you're at right now, I really invite you to take a moment, unless you're driving, (laughs) take a moment to sit down and close down the eyes and take a super slow, deep breath all the way down to the pit of your belly. Soft exhale. Maybe you even lie down for this episode. So on this episode, I want to talk about my, my personal yoga teacher journey, my craft and what I, what I share. But before, I just wanted to give you a little bit of, a little message of comfort. Um, because many of you, many of my friends who are all light workers, and if you don't know if you're a light worker or a light warrior, um, you probably are because you're listening to this and you feel called to the subjects that we're kind of covering on this podcast. And um, there is a lot of things going on in the universe on a frequency level. There are things that are happening behind the veil, behind the curtain that you probably can't see. Because if we don't have all information all the time and it's very exhausting, but know that it's okay to be tired. It's okay to be exhausted. It's okay to take time to yourself to rest and you don't have to spend all of the time to prove yourself to everyone. You don't have to use your time every day to grow and to get better because you being here on this planet right now is already enough. You're holding the frequency of light and that's all we need. So now by simply being here, that's already enough. And I know it's hard. It's hard for me too. And it's hard for everyone I've spoken with, but we need to practice more self-care. We need to practice more Simply being, simply by being you, that's enough. And to remember that. And we make it so complicated as humans. We, we always think that we need to know everything and we need to get better. We need to keep on mo- motivating our, ourselves to grow, to get stronger, to get fitter, to get better, to get smarter, to elevate our work life, family life, romantic life. But I just want to remind you that you're doing great. Even if you're going through a really hard time, remember 
that your existence is a blessing to this world. So yeah, that's what I wanted to kind of intro with. Um, I'm very honored to be doing this solo episode. This is, I think, going to be the first solo we are releasing on the podcast. And um, so it's different. It's different also because I've, I haven't really done any, it feels like weird in a way to sit alone and speak, but I love, I love sharing with you and I love to hear your stories. And if you have similar experiences that as me, I, I really want you to reach out. I try to respond to all messages I get. But uh, so my yoga teacher journey, um, I think on, on a vibrational level, yoga and specifically mantras has always been there. My mom is very into the world of spirit and energies. And I remember as a child, she used to play these weird mantra music in the morning like even before we woke up. So I would like wake up to the Gayatri Mantra, <laughs> which is like, yeah, kind of like out there, but it definitely, um, yeah, she she did plant some seeds. Um, the influence was there from the very beginning and there's been books, there's been like, um, VHS and DVDs uh, on yoga and yeah it was always there and I think my very first yoga class was well I, I was doing like playing yoga and cats and cows next to my mom ever since I was a child but my very first yoga class was I think when I was around 14 or 15 in a gym it was Ashtanga because Ashtanga was like I guess Ashtanga and Hatha it's like the only types of yoga that they taught in gyms back then. I'm like, actually, I'm not very sure, but it was with a dude. It was super flexible, like this rubber doll, almost you could do like anything. And I was like, wow, that's very impressive. I was like all into, you know, the looks, the asana, how it looked. And um, I was hooked uh, by Shavasana. I was like, yeah, I, I would want to. I actually even went online after and I Googled like the Ashtanga school in Helsinki. I was like, I want to go there. I'm going to become like one of these Ashtangis. Um, but then life happened and I kept on going like back to the gym, kind of forgot about yoga, fell into like the fitness world, wanted to just focus on being my teenage self parties and having fun with friends, doing stupid things, you know, life happens and it was like I don't regret any of it it was like a great 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 experience um and then I think the moment I fell back into more of the spirituality of of yoga and meditation was when I was 18 and I got dumped and I was very depressed and I couldn't do sports anymore in the same way than like before this whole 
whole thing happened because I was so depressed. I didn't eat anything. So I didn't have like the energy to go out for a run or go to the gym and like lift weights. So I started like stretching and doing yin yoga meditations and address also to calm the anxiety. And um, I became kind of, it came like my, became like my religion. I kept on going back to meet my, my emotions. So I, I started very young and it became my safety net. Uh, I was down for months and through the world of yoga, I also fell into my mom's bookshelf where there was like different books on, you know, back then love attraction was like super in and, um, started to make contact with my my angels and my spirit guides my mom had gave me a book on spirit guides for my i think my it was on my i think 18th birthday actually but anyways so i found my way back and then a few years later I mean, after the whole depression thing, it stayed in my life and it was there and I kept on practicing. But again, I'm a very like, mm, I like variety a lot. So I did yoga like once a week, but then I started to like live my life again and I did other things also. And I think up to this day, I'm I'm the same. Like I don't practice asana every day. I do what yoga is many things so so yeah you can practice it in many different ways um when I was 21 so before this I had uh decided to study and I studied physiotherapy (laughs) for for I think six or eight months and then I I got very bored and again, I fell into a rut and I decided to, to follow my dreams to Australia. Australia was always on my mind. Even after high school, I wanted to go there, but then, you know, my friends stayed in Finland and I was a little bit scared. So I pushed it, but it was time for me at 21 to do something about it. And, um, Back then I was like really into yoga, like with the physiotherapy. And I was like, yeah, yoga is like my shite. I did like combine it with CrossFit. So there was definitely like, I, I was a lot in my yang and very, very different mindset. I would say, I would say that I was more masculine back then. I had like um, a very different way of being. Uh, which is great. I've been through all colors and shades of of me and they're all there and they're all really important to listen to. So at 21, I moved to Australia, to Sydney, and um, I only had, I think, around 800 euros after. This was like in January, this was after Christmas. So I had like saved up had 800 euros on my bank account when I arrived in Sydney King's Cross. And I already then had my mindset on that during that year. So I went to Australia for the, 
for the one one year what's it called like the travel work 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 and travel visa and I had my mindset on that during that time I wanted to do my first yoga teacher training I didn't care where it was but it was gonna happen and I was uh well I did not have any money and I stayed at this really shitty uh hostel at King's Cross and if you haven't been to Sydney um King's Cross is not the prettiest scene <laughs> and that was like the first part of Sydney that I experienced so I was like what is this place <laughs> I met some wonderful humans and uh the first day or second day there was this girl from Canada who who said that she was going to Bali to do Megan Curry's teacher training I had not heard of Megan Curry back then love her now but I was like yeah oh my god Bali is close to Australia so well still like no money and I was like kind of just losing money every day because one night at I think that hostel's name was like Blue Parrot it was like $30 night and in a dorm and it was like disgusting and just well I did that and I loved it and I met wonderful people as I said uh, so yeah like I I heard that there there are a lot like that the yoga scene is big in Bali. So I checked it out and I found a couple of places, but then I forgot about it. And I tried to focus on getting job in Australia. And uh, I was like every day searching, but at the same time also like partying with the friends and so on, living the hostel life, not really into it. And I did, I couldn't even afford to go to yoga studios back then. So I would like go down to a park and do my, my practice outside every morning while people were like still sleeping. It was like kind of funny. Um, but then one day I, I, I bumped into an ad online at the site. I think it was a workway.info. And uh, there was like a volunteering spot at an ashram to work three hours away from Sydney in the bush, middle of nowhere. And well, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to this yoga ashram. ashram. <laughs> and so I sent in my applications and I went out for a walk. I lied down. Um, there's this beautiful place just behind Potts Point. And I lied down under beneath the tree and I saw this beautiful heart, heart shaped cloud. And I remember that I was like, that's a sign. Like I'm, I'm getting this volunteering spot. And remember like that I was 21, no money. And I was like dreaming of this volunteering spot. So, <laughs> well, funny, funnily enough, when I set up, um, I got, confirmed or they they said that they would love to have me and um I think I I traveled there by myself like three days after this so and um they let me know that there was no service there was no wi-fi or there was a wi-fi um but I 
had to pay to use it or something like that. So I, I had to like kind of call my mom and just tell her and dad, tell them what I was up to and that I was going into the bush to an ashram that, uh, well, haven't heard of, uh, seemed okay, seemed seemed like a nice place. And uh, there was no service, there was no Wi-Fi. So I just let them know that I would not be able to contact them for at least one week. <laughs> I was like really brave back then because this sounds like a very sketchy place. And I found this ad like on, it's a little legit website, but still. Um, so I went there and I arrived and I spent my days there meeting very interesting people. Other were working holiday visa travelers and we would like go to so this place doesn't exist anymore but they had like their own farm and every day we would wake up before sunrise to sit and uh, do breath work and chant and it was like my kind of I, I really fell into the world of mantra, prayer, breath work, because it was like very different from, from the physical asana yoga that I was used to from back home. And one, one week passed and then I, I asked if I could stay two more weeks and they said yes. So I stayed and I loved it. I loved it. It was one of the most beautiful experiences that I've, I've been to and the whole place is very was very self-sustainable. Every everyone was helping, and there was a lovely, beautiful community. Um, then my time was up, and uh, I went the whole way back to Sydney, back to the same hostel, and again, I got um, I was spending money but not earning any, and like three weeks I had spent in the bush middle of nowhere with no well no cell phone so it was like a shock to go back to the big city back to like normal life and reality hit me that I I needed to find <laughs> some way of earning money and income so my friends who was still like the, my friend Kat who lives now in Sydney. She was in Finland, but she told me about the site Gumtree. I went to Gumtree. <laughs> Gumtree is like a very sketchy place. There's a lot of weird ads, but there's also some like real jobs there. And I found an ad for a position as a stay in nanny in Redfern, Sydney uh, for for two newborn twin sisters and I applied and they got back to me. I went in for an interview and well, I moved in like pretty quickly and I spent, this was like a position for six, no, four months. Yeah. Four months. And this whole, this whole time I was, I was working long, long hours, I think from like nine till four or five every day. And like, twin babies newborn twin babies both premature it was like hard work for a 21 year old who had never worked with with uh like babies before I did do a lot of work as a swimming teacher for kids uh when I was younger so I had like experience with children 
and um, it was maybe not the most glorified times in my in my life, but I, I worked hard to earn the money for my yoga teacher training, and I also found the school that I wanted wanted to do the yoga teacher training in at. So I I just booked it. I did not know how how I was gonna afford it. Uh, because it was like one of these more expensive ones in Bali, like 3000 US dollars even, I think. But I bought a ticket because tickets from, from Australia to Bali are quite cheap. So I just bought a ticket and I had paid the deposit. <laughs> I was just like in this full trust of universe back then. No, universe. Yeah, universe. So, yeah. Well, so, and then, um, time was up. I did somehow earn enough money to pay the whole freaking, uh, yoga teacher training during the four months and, um, by myself, which is incredible. I think I did a few gigs on like, um, with like cleaning. So extra cleaning for the families and so on. So it was hard work. I remember I was quite depressed during that time and I didn't enjoy Sydney very much because I had like no energy left after the long days of nannying. Uh, and I spent a lot of time just like in my bed eating very, very poor food. Um, I met a friend like maybe like once a month. So I didn't get the best experience out of Sydney. And so I flew to Bali and I had... 10 days before my my yoga teacher training and my father and little brother, my, my younger brother came to Bali to see me, uh, surprised me and we stayed in a really nice villa in Sanur and because the school that I, that I then, the yoga school that I went to was also in Sanur at the beach. It's beautiful bamboo shala. And uh, we had an amazing time. And then the day came when I, I was go, going to meet my teachers and, and everyone else in the training. And I was so scared, so, so scared, um, but very excited. It was for a whole month And uh, I'm still like very surprised that I somehow, somehow afforded to save up enough money. But I guess if there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> I met, uh, it was a very, very dark evening. I went down to the beach to the power of now shala to meet my teachers we sat in a ring did the basic you know introduction thingy and it was like then from there everything just went super super slow the first week and then after the first week or second week everything goes super fast this is like my experience i've done three like one month long different trainings so it's like always the experience that in the beginning it's going super super slow and you think you have all the time and then after it's like duh, 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 and then you end and then it's like oh everyone is crying because you have to go home or whatnot 
anyway, so f- then I graduated and I was a 200 hour yoga teacher training one day. And I was like, this was something that I had been dreaming of for so long. Um, so I was super, super happy. And, uh, well, yeah, then I decided to stay in Bali for, I think three more weeks. So, uh, yeah, three more weeks. I was in Bali for two months. I flew back to, to Sydney and moved in with an old friend in, um, Ulaira, which is like very nice neighborhood, I didn't teach much yoga in the beginning. It was like more, I was still very much into like channeling angels. So I did like a lot of angel readings back then for others and especially for friends. It was like my, my, my thang. And I did teach like some yoga to them in the park. So it was like there, but Sydney is a fast paced, um, CD and a brand new yoga teacher as a brand new yoga teacher it's hard to kind of get a job so I was doing it like for fun on the side and spent my days nannying different families like very 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 wealthy twin uh families so but now I was living at my own place and I worked at the restaurant also so I'd like I did many many things and I I had a quite nice income uh yeah very very nice income back then and like because our uh, rent was super cheap I could like save up money because I knew that I wanted to go traveling after after this year in Australia and then suddenly the time was up again it was time to leave Australia and I knew that I wanted to do something with my yoga yoga teacher certificate I was a yoga teacher so I I decided to kind of google 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 volunteer places or spots abroad (laughs) outside of Australia that needed a yoga teacher and I I found this um I found this place in the Philippines Palavan it's called Baha'i Kalipa it's a detox center and they accepted me I went there I worked as a yoga teacher at this beautiful, beautiful detox center. Did not get paid, but I did get a lot of experience. And I, I started to get like more, more comfortable with teaching. I did some privates also for a friend because I was like, as a new new yoga, t- yoga teacher, it's, it's kind of intimidating to kind of step into the role of leading a whole group through a sequence. And I was super young. Like, remember, I was still... 21 yeah about to to turn 22 I guess and so then I was gonna stay there for a longer time but I spent I think two months there and then I I had to go back this is a story for a whole other podcast but we had a family kind of incident where my brother was hospitalized and um, we didn't know what was going to happen with him so I decided to go back home and uh, I knew that I wanted to go back to the Philippines to teach but then I, I kind of got stuck here because I met 
the man that I live with now. <laughs> and I fell in love. So something really beautiful came out of a very, very traumatic experience. And it's like funny what life's, life gives you um, when you at least expect it. When you don't expect it at all. And so I stayed. I stayed in Finland. And since everyone else was kind of studying and have they had like a normal job and it was quite nice to the first month to just see everyone and catch up and there was like a lot of parties going on and I, I I guess I just like I really enjoyed it and then I decided to give studying <laughs> another try and since Finland has always like me and this country Finland has always had a really interesting relationship with each other I decided to uh, apply for um uh, apply to another university in Stockholm so Stockholm's university and I got in and so um me and Will we moved in together after like three months of dating and like uh we were dating long distance because because back then he was living in Iceland and I was living in Finland And uh, he was gonna do. I knew that I was. He was going to um, Stockholm for kind of an exchange period from Iceland. So I think I kind of wanted him to be close to me, and that's why also a reason why I applied to Stockholm University. But we moved in together after a very short time of dating, and um, I started studying social anthropology. I was, again, I had no fucking money. So it was like a struggle to um, find a job. And I was, again, doing nannying for a beautiful family in Estermalm. And uh, I didn't teach yoga almost at all. And after five months of studying social anthropology, which I... I think now I would be more interested, but back then I was just like, I really wanted to teach yoga and I wanted to get back into biz. I decided to drop out again. So I've tried university twice. It did not work for me. Uh, always been the black sheep in the family. <laughs> I dropped out and I knew that Will was gonna soon go back to Iceland because he only had like six months also in uh, in um, Stockholm so for those five months or six months I didn't really teach yoga at all and it depressed the shit out of me and we also lived um, outside of Stockholm at like an island leading a so we were very isolated and Not isolated, but it's like an effort to take the train into the city and meet friends. Well, I didn't like Stockholm and me didn't really vibe. And we moved to, I just dropped out again, twice time dropout student from university. Um, I decided to go back to Iceland with Ville. Um, so we moved from Stockholm to Reykjavik. Oh my god. Uh again in together. And for those who haven't been to Iceland, Iceland is a very freaking expensive <laughs> country to live in. Uh 
And so I was juggling like three different jobs. I was at a cafe and then I got like, I was very lucky because I got, um, I got to teach at a studio and also at, uh, gyms in, 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 um, in Iceland, but <laughs> I was teaching mostly hot yoga and hot yoga was like, yeah, I had been to hot yoga classes before. Hot yoga is huge in Iceland because it's like obviously a cold, cold, windy country. Um, but yeah, I was like very, it was, it's a new world. And it's like, I, I would say that I already back then felt that there must be some kind of like kind of issue with it because um, when it's that hot inside of the room you don't have the same ability to make kind of you, you don't feel your body in the same way you're just suddenly you're just very flexible and people went to the very edges of their mobility so already back then even though I was quite in the beginning of my teaching it was a little bit scary to to watch <laughs> and I also got kind of like just kicked into a yin yoga position at a studio, even though I wasn't a yin yoga teacher. So that was, I was also interesting, but I was just happy to, to be teaching honestly. And, um, yeah, so we spent, I think around six months in, in Reykjavik and, um, I was teaching, I was, also working at a cafe to make ends meet and yeah well it didn't really cover my rent it was so so it was really a time that I was struggling I've been struggling like the whole time I was struggling financially um and just kind of using my savings <laughs> and somehow we could do a little bit of traveling to the Faroe Islands during that time and also within within the country of Iceland. Iceland is a beautiful, beautiful place for travels and I really, really love it. But living there was not really, not really my thing. It's a really, really small town. I made like one really close friend during that time. Birna, if you're listening to this, I love you. Um, and so, well, Long story short, uh, Will got a job, he didn't enjoy it, and we decided to move to Finland and see what happens. And so and when we got to Finland, like almost like the same time I landed, I just like sent out my resume to every single yoga studio in Helsinki. And there was one place in Kauniainen um, who also had a studio in Helsinki that needed help so I was very lucky this was like even before I had my own I had my own um before I had my own company uh I just kind of like fell into this position again and I was subbing a lot and gained a lot of experience and I was like doing insane insane hours like traveling from during like Saturday morning I was traveling from um from Helsinki <laughs> to Kauniainen by train to teach like a 75 minute class and then to go back with train. It's like, I did not know what I was doing. I just knew that I, I loved teaching and sharing yoga and so forth. And then, um, 
yeah, well, then I had saved saved up some money and I decided to do my advanced uh, 300-hour teacher training in India, Goa. This was, I think, 2013 or 14. I th- yeah. No, 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 no. Now I'm lying. This was 2016 or 17, like three, four years ago. And I went and I was again like in that one month craziness. Anyone who's been to a 200 or 300 hour teacher training knows that it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot, but in in one, like on one one side, I, I really prefer it that way because then you're kind of immersed with a group and you just do it. Uh, I've also done a lot of kind of different modules, uh, which also works for me, but I'm not good with homework. <laughs> I really don't like homework. So, uh, well, I met one of my closest yoga teacher friends, Haley. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Haley on this podcast very soon. She just got married to her, the man of her dreams. And I'm so, so happy for her. Um, but yeah, it was like 300 hours in Goa, Shampurna Yoga, and very intense, uh, very, very like all into the advanced vinyasa stuff, like handstands and versions, like, and it was like all about the most insanely creative sequences. So like there was a lot of pressure anxiety and well graduated got back home continued teaching and started to feel like I was soon gonna hit a wall because I was like is this like all that there is to it and then I fell into I think yeah we went to Bali for a vacation and I I found I just saw on the schedule that there was this class called embodied flow I was like I'm gonna go and I fell in love with this teacher Meshi Meshi Toth in in Ubud, Radiantly Alive. She's absolutely amazing. 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 <laughs> Meshi is amazing. Um, and fell in love with the way she taught. And uh, I went like to every single one of her classes. She teaches like twice or three times a week. And I asked her if, if I can find this like anywhere in Scandinavia. And she was like, yeah, yeah, there's this one teacher, Satu, uh, who teaches, but she lives in Sweden. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll remember it. And then I kind of forgot about it, continued teaching. Um, but then I, I found an event on Facebook and I saw it was the, the teacher, Satu Tuamela, that Meshi had told me about. And I decided to go. It was like this 30-hour uh module of a 100 hour teacher training it was like can i can i join even though i i can't do the whole thing she was like yeah i think you'll think you'll love it and i loved it and after that i've been very much immersed with satu's trainings um i've done i think like 300 hours through her modules with her i've done the embodied flow 200 hour one month one in the philippines so i have like a lot of hours <laughs> in the embodied embodiment world and i've been like really finding uh 
finding my way home and combining kind of finding myself in in the way of teaching and also it makes so much sense to me because I was always in the whole spirituality game for for like personal development and I think the best way one can grow in life is to know their body mind the further you're able to connect with your physical body and become comfortable in it the less it becomes about how you look the less it becomes how how deeply you can go into splits or how many handstands you can do so it definitely took away a lot of the pressure of kind of being the perfect being in the perfect asanas i don't i don't i can't really put words to it it's, it's just a very freeing way of experiencing and sensing your body sensing every single cell in your body in a very different way than just kind of like warrior one warrior two you you focus more on experiencing and sensing every layer of you and becoming comfortable with the way asanas feel and knowing that everyone is so different that there is no right there is no wrong as long as you're not hurting yourself of course but yeah I was that's and now I'm I'm here I've been teaching for five years and um full-time <laughs> more or less with some side jobs at cafes and gigs at, as a nanny um and now I feel like there's something new coming. So for those who haven't haven't been to to any of my classes, I I decided to quit my weekly studio classes like half a year ago. Went to Bali and Sydney to see friends and just to take a break from the giving. And um it was funny how like in when I look back five years from now. It's like my my biggest dream was to become a full-time yoga teacher. And I can say now that I did that, but I've outgrown it also. Now I want to create deeper, even even deeper experiences as like events and workshops, hopefully trainings one year. And um, I've become very comfortable in the way I teach and for so many years like especially like maybe the three first years of of trying and listening to like you know vinyasa teachers hatha teachers and then like I found Sato who teaches in a whole other way the embodied way I got very very confused of what my my style was and so now I've had a little bit over a year's break from training or going myself to trainings which has been very healthy because I've, I've kind of found space to to really set my roots into my own ground and to cultivate my own tools out of these amazing schools that I've been trained with and what I've came to realize is that there is really not the right way 
your teachers will always teach from their experience and from what they've cultivated. But in, at the end game, you have to cultivate your own tools out of what you learned and uh, from your own practice. So it's been really, yeah, a really profound experience. And, and now I have, yeah, I have my own, like I have a weekly class once a week starting on September, starting in September and I've rented a space for that. So it feels like my own little group. And if you want a weekly class, you can drop in. It's very filled up already. Um, so if you're listening to this, you can al always direct message me and I'll see if there is a spot for you during the month of September. But I feel like I've really found my 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 community here in Finland during these years of teaching full time. And I have my students and I'm like, if any of you who are listening to this, you've been to my classes and I just wanted to let you know that there wouldn't be a class without you. And you mean the world to me. And I've learned so much from you also. And the reason why I... I stopped teaching at the studios wasn't because I didn't like the studios. I'm still like in love with the owners at Saga Yoga and Roots. And I so much look up to them and we're in a great place. But honestly, <laughs> the danger of, of um, working with your passion is there's a fine line. And I was burning myself out because weekly classes are more like a dip with the toes into the waters and the ocean of yoga so i i found that i have a problem that i want to create super deep experiences and i gave so much of myself every time that i was well i did it for years so i i definitely in the beginning it was working right but then towards like last winter I was hitting a wall and I had to hit my head against the wall a couple of times before I noticed that I need a break I need a break from it and so this longer break has definitely given me a way back to look what I really want to do and um there is so much more to the physical aspect of yoga And I've cultivated so many new tools from just by, by being with myself, from journaling, from meditating, for, from channeling. I found my way back to my guides, ancestors. I found my way back to sitting and connecting with the angelic realm. And now I, I see things a little bit clearer And I'm very excited to, to follow this journey. Um, as a yoga teacher, you're so much more than a yoga teacher. At the end, you, you give so much. And I don't think that like, if I compare this job to like a fitness in instructor, you can't compare it to that. And I think that people do sometimes compare yoga teachers to fitness instructors and it's like a big mistake <laughs> we give so much 
more and it's very different like of course you can do you can teach a yoga class like a fitness class also and there's nothing wrong with that I also love like the physical aspect and I love like to to sweat and feel muscles work but there's so many more layers to the body there's organs there's bones there's fascia there's skin there's cells there's I mean wow what you can do with that and then the deeper you dive and the deeper you connect with your body the stronger the connection to source there is that's what I've noticed and I think also the reason why I've been so drawn to embodiment and to write like feeling into bones and feeling into organs is because I've been very ungrounded with a very overactive uh, third eye and crown chakra of my whole life so I feel more anchored in my own body now and I feel like I don't spill out as much and I've cultivated tools to kind of really anchor into my physical body so it's safe for me then to freaking astral travel if I want to because I know how to come back I've seen that during my earlier years um, when I just practiced very very strong asana I sometimes got so lightheaded uh, that I got anxiety attacks. I felt out of body. And that was, that is what asana can do to you. Asana is a very, very strong, strong way to kind of change the way energy moves in your nadis and, and energy channels in the body. So it's definitely like a full body mudra you're creating when you are in an asana and or when you're moving through a sequence. So no wonder that I was suffering from like heaps of anxiety attacks, out of body experiences, and I didn't know how to anchor and to ground myself. So that has been like my, that's the reason why I love doing this is to, it's just the, the, the fact that I now know that the deeper I can connect with this vessel that I live in during my life, the further the connection is to the universe. Because the whole universe resides in my physical body. So yeah, that's what I've, I've came to, to know and what I keep on practicing. And I'm not saying that it's been easy. <laughs> Everything else. And it's still still a struggle. And I just wanted for all of you who are in the very beginning of your yoga teacher journey. Know that, oh my God, you're going to grow. And you're going to change your way of teaching. And it's okay to outgrow things. It's okay to change things up. Change things up. And it's scary because I've lost, like when I've, when I've changed the, the way of teaching, I used to teach very, very physical class and I still, still do. I still love it, but it's different now. I've lost a lot of students, but know that when you need to teach what comes true for you in the moment, you don't teach your students what they need sorry, you don't teach your students what they want, you teach them what they need. 
And uh, for a long time, I just taught them what they wanted. They want to be able to handstand. They want to be able to go into the splits, but they need a deeper connection with the body to know if splits or handstands is even possible for them. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm very much less about how the asana looks and more how more into words like how the asana feels in the person's body how can we become more more safe and more comfortable in a posture and doesn't always mean that it's easy can be hard to rewire the body-mind connection but it's very much worth it and if you are in a space of kind of changing changing things up you can do it do it slowly um or you can do it like that and i've had i've had students who has been with me the whole the whole journey so the true ones the the ones that love you for you uh will stay with you and new ones are always going to come in and know that like people also go through phases in their lives uh, everyone does so you will have they will have times when they practice with you and they will have times when they don't practice at you and none of that will have anything to do with you so you don't have to take it personally if you notice that oh that girl hasn't been in my class for a long time of course we like it's hard to not do that if you notice that they go to other other people's classes but know that they also have their own choice and they are growing as people so they might be needing something else you keep on doing you you keep on sharing from your experience from your heart and when times are tough keep going because there is always someone who needs to hear what you have to say and I just wanted to say that I know that for some of you it might seem that me and Eva has like everything together. Well, we certainly not. And I remember when I, I was in Iceland, I wanted to host my first like full moon meditation event. And I printed out like heaps of flyers and I put them up around the whole town of Reykjavik. And I got like maybe five signups or four signups. <laughs> and I like... I made this like lentils too and I planned the whole thing and then like one hour before two of them dropped out so I knew that I was like gonna share like a meditation for or two people and those two people never showed up <laughs> it's like okay face plant and I, I mean I've been teaching classes for like two students I've been doing accidental one-on-ones because people haven't attended my classes so my story is not a story of like linear success it has had twists and turns and ups and downs like everything with life and it still has like some of my events I've had to cancel because there hasn't been enough signups for it to happen and oh my god I've been like uh 
I've tried to put up two retreats and both of them has failed. And then the third one that was happening, um, <laughs> well, we had to cancel because of Corona. So it's a lot of trying, trying out things. And it's not always because people think that you are a shitty, shitty, disgusting teacher. It's just because like, you know, we're here to, we're here to grow and to learn to trust ourselves. And I think the more you kind of just keep going and trying um, and you stay consistent, the biggest secret to success is just keep doing it, keep doing it and stay consistent with it. And that has definitely been why my biggest struggle, because I'm a very impatient person and I, I want constant success all the time. Uh, but it's not going to be like that, unfortunately. And, um, but you keep doing you and I promise it will be okay. So yeah, I think that's where I'm going to end this. Um, I have a lot of um, fun things coming up for all of you event-wise in Helsinki. So stay tuned. And also Self-Word Circle, are, we're going to expand a lot. And we are very, very happy because um, things are really starting to, to happen. So yeah, if you if you like this solo episode, please share it with someone who needs to hear it. I know that there, there is a lot of, unfortunately, competition out there in the yoga teacher world, but we need to unite and we need to understand that no one is going to teach in the same way. And no one has the right to say that their way is the right way, but really stand by each other. We are a community after all. And um, I thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Message me with any questions, any anything you want to share. And keep doing you. Keep doing you. Love you so much and talk to you soon. Bye.